Uncle Love straight out. Beastie loves to love. what they say about playing the game. You can't hear it today. I said now. Legal Council is brought to you by Rugby Pass, the premier destination for rugby and rugby league fans in Asia, streaming international test matches, state of origin, NRL, the Rugby Championship, Super Rugby and more to your device or wherever you are in Asia. Every match on Rugby Pass is available live and on demand and is carried in HD quality and with adaptive streams to match your connection. Welcome back to Legal Council. As always, we have our globe-trotting Hong Kong Rugby League board member, Jack Muir, coming to us live from Indonesia in a vehicle on a 10-hour road trip. How's it going, mate? Eight-hour road trip. Eight-hour road trip. Jeez, I, I think we could do some of that, that adaptive streaming um, that uh, Rugby League Pass have. Um, but I think we're going to go, all right, yeah, so just uh, on an eight-hour drive. So this is a new one for us, but we'll get into it, what a show it's going to be. Mate, you know, going around Indonesia so far for the first couple of days, is it a rugby league short country or is it a jersey country? Or, you know, if we're talking rugby league shorts, I'd imagine that, you know, we want to talk silky shorts. You can't get more silkier than those kickboxing shorts. You've seen a few pairs of those around? <laughs> no, nah, mate, it's Indonesia, so there's no kick boxing is per se big UFC fans but none of those silky kickboxing shorts that's for sure who's the most famous Indonesian sportsman Chris John the boxer um, was based in Perth but so he's a bit old now and it looks like UFC's sort of taking over here have they I suppose as a nation are they football mad or are they badminton badminton ah right yeah nice good Viewing sport, Edmonton. They won. They won some some medals at the Olympics in weightlifting. Okay. What and the uh, the pint sized? You, 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 lower division. Yeah. You lower. You lower grades. Um, yeah. And you're in a vehicle, not just on your own. You've got a couple of other engineering mercenaries with you as well. Yeah, I got Irwin next to me, who's uh, from our Jakarta office. Who's his um, team? Mechanical engineer. And then I got two drivers. And uh, he's a well, he wants the he's a Perth Pirates or. West Coast Pirates, man. He okay. really wants to get them off the ground. Well, hopefully with um, a bit of luck, the Western Force get kicked out of the Super Rugby competition so that they can divert all of their raw emotion um, and attention towards the rugby league in that state. Now, that would be great for um, for our game and growing it because every year, Perth really do support rugby league. They showed that last year when they supported, came out in droves to support the um, New Zealand-Australia end-of-year test, which was a um, a bit of a fizzer in terms of a competition, but it was a very well-attended game. Very well-attended game, and a very, it looked like a really good rugby league round, you know, rectangular, um, and just unfortunate New Zealand put on a poor show again, you know? Yeah. Well, mate, you've been all around the show lately. You've been travelling. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to do our normal show on Sunday, posting it on Monday, so a little bit delayed, but I think that the fans hopefully are going to enjoy the delay. Hopefully, it'll be worth the wait, but... Um, what you know, we're going to focus mainly on international rugby league here. Anything to kick it off in terms of the NRL that caught your eye in round nine? Um, it was a pretty eventful round, and you know, teams again starting to uh, separate themselves from from the rest. 
uh, round nine was actually a well I was actually in New Zealand for it so it was good to watch it with some of my um, uh, good mates again I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that it's it's a different viewing medium over there because of the time so you know your first your, your Friday night game kicks off, your 7.30 game kicks off at 9.30 and actually gets quite late by, by the end of it um, I enjoyed watching the Warriors, obviously. Um, I was actually attending the game. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever you want to say, that's my first time I've actually attended a live Warriors game at Mount Smart. How mm-hmm. about that? And what took me and through it, because I, was, I think well, the listeners want to hear I your took experience. My, I took my wife and daughter. Oh, jeez. And the, the weather that started off was really nice, all sunny. And then just typical Auckland turned to rain very quickly. You would have seen it watching it. It was sunny, rainy, then sunny all over again. Um, you know, again, Warriors played well, but I thought we were going to lose again, and I just couldn't take it. I, le- I actually started leaving the ground. No. Um, but actually, I, I did, and that's why I just sent you that video down by the sideline, is because when we were down by, I was just like, I can't handle this. We've played three decent games and haven't come out with two points, you know. Hmm. And, you know, what was it like sitting amongst the fans and, you know, comparing to other NRL games? Did you get a good feel for the Warriors faithful? Did you get a good feel for where they think the team's at? Yeah, uh, no, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't get as much um, interaction from the other fans. I was yelling out, like, uh, quite a bit of banter at the players, but... Mm they weren't sort of feeding me back like an Aussie crowd would. An Aussie crowd would bend to your back. Hmm. Um, but I think it was a smart crowd, but they weren't, they, they sort of don't yell out much. They, they keep them keep quiet, you know, and just, you know, clap and, yeah. It's not as mad as like Newcastle crowds for it. On a scale of one to 10, how was how good was the boo? You know, did it influence the referee? Did you did you get an extra penalty? Uh, the boo was horrible, really? actually. I was doing it. Yeah, I, I was doing it by myself when, when the roost. It's a great tool, isn't it, as a fan? I mean, you've got to be able to use a boo and you've got to be able to galvanise fans around you. And people need to know that a hometown boo in rugby league can get you two penalties a game. And especially when it's offside, you've got to know that when your team are down a try or two and you've got the um, ball in your own 20 to 30 metre mark and you need a penalty, the only way to get it is a boo. It's a boo, and it's got to be in unison. And we've talked about it on the show before. The best, um, the best crowd is the the Canberra Raiders fans. And fans. No so I think the Warriors can can work on that. Yeah, well, I think the Warriors is more intimidating. Boo, um, mm. the Raiders crowd is just a disbelief boo, and they do it so well that the referees thinking, "Shit, am I missing something here? I'm going to have to blow a penalty." And then you get the more drunken boos, no, which, uh, the Brookvale and the Leichhardt's, which the ref can either go the one yeah, or two yeah. ways. They can go, well, that crowd is just too pissed. Or they can say, hey, you know, I, I, I'm fearing for my safety after the game, getting hit with a bottle. So I'm going to have to blow a couple of penalties so that I can walk out with my head held high and not get hit in the back of the head. I mean, naturally, a ref's only got eyes on the front of his head and the ref is generally standing in the defensive line. So he's always going to miss some, some like, three-quarters of wingers. So the, the, the touch he does have to play a big big part in that. Mm. Can the touches call offside? Or do they? Are they mic'd up? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking about it during the during the week because I saw the refs in the middle, and I was thinking if we can get a boo together, he'll turn his head around. Don't get offside. So yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I couldn't answer it. Where, where, where were you left with at the end of the game in terms of the Warriors? What you think of them going forward? What they're capable of? Um, 
yeah, look, we, <laughs> like with the Warriors all the time, it's not a potential or that we don't have the potential. It's basically, I still think Bully Luke is making mistakes that are well below his pay grade. Um, just some of those that frustrate you. Um, you know, obviously the defence, you have to you have to say that's a positive and Kearney's getting the best out of us and in a place that could be a weakness. And I thought Fuzzy Tour's trial was brilliant. Mm. Um that line he ran was Proctor-esque. You know, if you look at it, he just sort of got deeper and sort of ran around further. Gee, it was a nice try. If James Gavitt, as we're now calling him, is is probably our forward of the year, maybe maybe mannering quite a little bit behind him, is David Fushitua the best back in the Warriors so far this year? Well, I think he's very close. I mean, obviously, you've got four on what he's done coming into the team, what the team is lifted by him. But, you know, Fushitua is one of those specimens, right? He's one of those players you're just going to get out of Auckland and you just hope that he's going to beat the Warriors and he's got a good head on his shoulders. Mm, no, look, I, I was ridiculed for saying that I, was, I wasn't I was devastated after the losses against the Raiders and the Storm because I saw that we were building and, you know, sometimes you've just got to cop it when you play well and lose and I think even though we potentially could have won one of those games, maybe even two... I saw enough to suggest that we are going to be a very hard team to beat when we get it together back into the year. Um, hopefully, there's not that much disruption post-Origin. So let's just uh, let's just wait and see. The other things that jumped out at me in round nine were the Sea Eagles 46, the Rabbitohs 8, and the Broncos 32, the Panthers 18. Let's just quickly touch on the Rabbitohs. You can strike a, um, a line through the Rabbitohs, yes or no? Yes, you can now. And can I'll put my hand up and say the first, I'd say the premiers, but that Greg Inglis didn't help me. That Greg Inglis injury didn't help me, did it? No, no, it didn't help me credibility one bit at all. Now, the Tigers, you can put a line through the Tigers? Yes, definitely. The Knights? Yes, definitely. The Titans won two in a row. I wasn't happy, I wasn't going to put a line through them. Is the, are they the only three teams? The Tigers, the Rabbitohs and the Knights? Everyone else is still alive. What about the Panthers? Oh, I think they're gone, but you still have faith. I know you still have faith in them. And you've said some, what, what is this $4.10 odds you talked about? The Panthers are paying $4.10 to make the eight. Now, I've seen enough. Last year, and I've seen their team this year. Rugby League is, is, is built around talent and I know the Warriors have probably haven't really subscribed to that theory for a number of years in a row. But <laughs> and speed. I just cannot tell the listeners enough to get on that $4, Tim. The Panthers need, by the calculations, to win 10 of their last 15. They will do it. Who is going to knock Who is going to fall out of that top eight for them? Well, the Eels could fall out of that top eight, and so could the Bulldogs. And you know what? Who knows if the Sharks had a big mid-season collapse with injuries? You know, it doesn't take much to take Paul Gallon and Luke Lewis down, mate. And you lose Maloney through origin, yeah. Fafita through origin. You know, all of a sudden, the Sharks can drop five in a row. And you've got faith in Hook to, to turn it around? Um, I think that... I just look at their team, mate, and I think that talent-wise, they've got as much as anyone else in the competition, and I just have to bank on that. Um, and I think the $4.10 is as good an odds as you're going to get all year um, to make yourself... And I see... I see the Sharkies are trying to get Corey Hawada Nader. Isn't don't they love just scouting a um, a Penrith um, prodigy? Do they really? I mean, Hawada Nader. Wade Gray, is, Luke he, Lewis. He is 
He's looked quite good. He's come out of nowhere. I'd never heard of him before the season. Sea Sharks just signed um, Sia Manify last night. Yeah, from the Tigers. Yeah, well, it's been announced by the Tigers. I don't know why the Sharks haven't announced it yet. Hmm. Um, so, look, one thing that I was thinking about with the league the other day, and I've been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs, and what sort of struck me about the NBA is in the playoffs you play each other seven times where well, you can. It's a, it's a first of four. And from game to game, basketball, there's just so many adjustments that you make. You know, you can play small ball, you can go big. Um, you make so many adjustments in game. You know, some players that are superstars just don't quite fit in a series if the, if the matchup isn't right. It made me think about rugby league. You're pretty much 1 to 13. It's a very position-specific game, and not many coaches deviate from it, do they? So, you know, no. you've got a front rower. And you've got a second row, and you've got a couple of different variations of what a lock forward could be. You know, your halves are halves, your centers are centers, and your wingers are wingers, your fullbacks are fullbacks. Is it, you know, is the room in the game to, for example, go small and, you know, eliminate a couple of the big guys out of the game and throw in, you know, two or three, um, you know, Paul Carters or Cody Nickarimas or Connor Watsons and, you know, get into more playmakers up the middle and, you know, is rugby league ready for a real change in tactics or a coach to come in and just shake it up? Because it's just everyone does the same thing, really, don't they? Well, it goes through cycles, doesn't it? And when when I say, when you someone says to you, when was the last small ball team to have success in the NRL, who do you say? Uh, you know... It's Tigers 2005, right? Yeah. And, and they had a... Back, and two machines... Yeah, it was small ball. And I was going to say Roosters, some of those teams with Craig Wing, where he sort of came on and they played three ball players. They had Finch, yeah, Wing. But, Flannery. you know, they had Fittler as a big half, and he was always a yeah, yeah, yeah. pseudo-like forward. So, you know, Tigers, you're right, because they the Heiningtons and the Fultons and, you know... Um, your Darren Centres, they yeah. had a very small team, but they were mobile. So I think that Cowboys what, what about, as well of that grand final had a very mobile team as well. We're not playing a dummy, a specialist dummy half. Days, a specialist dummy half is necessarily required because the skills of our players these days, they can all pass off the ground. So when someone gets tackled, then the first person that's available goes in to play dummy half. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's one of the ones that you actually could genuinely see, yep, not having a role. Because the role of a dummy half, if you go through every dummy half or every hooker in the NRL, they're so different, aren't they? You get running ones, you get organising ones, you get yep. ones like a Matt McCorrick that just walks up and passes it. You know, Robbie Farrar takes three or four steps every time and touches the ball. Um, you know, they're very different about the roles they play. Peter Wallace is doing a job for Penrith, and he's not a natural dummy half. Um, Nathan Peets is completely different so um, I like that everyone has their own role and their own niche and dummy halves can sort of vary but yeah you're right you know you could throw something completely different in there couldn't you because you could just use your fullback for the first one to three to four tackles Mm. and then the last one is basically a um, you just need to get the ball off the ground and to your to your goal to your kicker Mm. yeah no good point good point Um, you know in the lead up to this test match, so we're going to go to the test match, and this is probably, probably my, apart from playoff football, it's my favourite weekend of the year, and it's been made yeah. even better in the last two years, three years, with a specific test. Um, it's it's a shame it? that we're not going to see Samoa Tonga, but last year, Fiji, Papua New Guinea was one of the highlights of the rugby league calendar. Um, but if we start at the top, um, the Kangaroos, Cooper Cronk and Jonathan Thurston, 
this is the last hurrah for those guys, really, isn't it? This is it. This is this is the end of an era that, um, you know, I guess not a long era in the Australian team because Lockyer and Thurston were pretty much that combination for a while. But next year, yeah. we're not going to see Lockyer and Cronk. Who's going to replace them? What do you mean Lockyer and Cronk? You mean Thurston and Cronk? Thurston so and Cronk. Who is going to... So you just have to go to the, back to the, the Queensland halves, don't you? You have to go to DCE's one of them. And then the next in line at the moment is... I mean, Maloney's there. Milford. M- Milford? Maloney? Maloney's there, but, will he, will he, but do you... I mean, this will will Australia um, pick a player that's best in form or they look to the future? And Maloney's... You're not going to play Pierce in Australia. Like, you can't even play... You can't even play Origin. What does it do? I mean, Adam Reynolds... And James Maloney are the incumbent halves for New South Wales. Now, if you go behind Cronk and Thurston, you've got Anthony Milford, Ben Hunt, and Danny Cherry Evans. Now, you throw Ben Hunt and Cherry Evans, or Ben Hunt and Milford, or any combination of those two. You need a kicking They just do not look like the same team, do they? No. Um, and Ben Hunt's another guy that has got test football experience. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years you see a player like Ash Taylor in the role. But does that, for you, you know, for the first time in a long, long time, you know, and, and we know that Kangaroos are absolute class and we've seen some amazing Kangaroos sides. And I would say back to 2013, that side that beat New Zealand in the grand final of the World Cup in the final was arguably the best yeah. I've ever seen, the most complete. If you have halves of the halves that we just listed, they are just a different type of side. So... You know, whilst they have been dominant um, for periods, long, long, long periods, and New Zealand's had their moments, come next year, that is a different ball game for, for you know, International Rugby League. It really sort of opens it up, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Um, but they're like the um, German football team or the New Zealand rugby union team. Those guys we listed would all be there or thereabouts for the, for the, the New Zealand side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, fair call. Um, but they get, and then it's just the depth thing. I mean, at the end of the day, on their day, an Australian D team, on their day, I'm saying, could beat New Zealand. Hmm. And when we have a bad day. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're blessed with um, a lot of talent. They do look like they could be beat this weekend. And I think a part of that, you know, I know it's a one-off test match and New Zealand have never really been good at one-off test matches. But do you have a problem with the way that Meninga, who has consistently done as a state of origin, picks his teams? This incumbency over form, how important incumbency is? Because, you know, if you're hoping, you know, on one hand he's like, oh, no, I'm picking the guys that have done it before. But Meninga wants to bring back test football and make sure it's the pinnacle of the game. And he says it a lot. How can he say it's the yep. pinnacle of the game if... He doesn't pick the players that are playing in form. And if you're a player and you go, well, shit, I'm playing a lot better than Trent Merrin right now and I'm not getting picked because Trent Merrin did well last year, how does that make sense? No, so I th- think you need to have a think about He generally sticks by the incumbency rule for the Anzac test, mm. which is one-off, and he wants to keep his combinations. I think you'll find at the end of the season when he goes on his tours, he does really bring out the best on show and at, at that certain time. So I... T- Again, I think I have discussed this, but what about was doing is he's going out there to win, you know, mm. and all that does is makes it really difficult for us to win or any other team that are playing them. So when you do beat them, it just feels even better. You know what I mean? I mean, as much as I 
You know, I grew up loving Mel Meninga. I read his book, My Life in Football, twice cover to cover. Um, I love the Raiders. I even didn't mind him when he was a coach at the Raiders. As soon as he brought into well, Queensland and he destroyed International Rugby League by just trying to poach players and, you know, bring players that weren't eligible to play for Queensland, I was despised him. He took Tormalolo for a coffee. Yeah, he took Ben Teo for a coffee and ended up, um, you know, getting him to play for Queensland. God knows how many other guys he twisted their um, arms to play. He has been the best thing for International Rugby League in our lifetime because now that he's committed to International League, he is making it the pinnacle. Now, he's had one blight on his watch, and that was picking Semi Radradra. But he has just turned that kangaroo's side. They are just... They looked invincible on that tour, that Four Nations tour last year. He got Blake Ferguson playing like he was Ronnie Coote. Mate, they are... When they are... If you're a rugby league purist, when you see them on form... It is some, it's a, something to behold because if the opposition team makes a mistake, they just make you pay. It is brilliant. They, they are brilliant. And it's going to be, you know, they are missing a couple of key players. Um, Darius Boyd's in doubt. Darius Boyd's in doubt. Thurston's in a little bit of doubt. But no Aaron Woods, who, who has been good for them of recent, um, recently. And was voted on NRL.com as the... No, no, not NRL.com, this other website I look at as the most overrated player. Had about like 10,000 participants in the voting form too. Who finished second and third? Uh, uh, who else was there? Um, I can't remember. I just saw Aaron Woods and thought, yeah, confirmed. Apparently what Aaron Woods does, and a lot of people picked up, is he tries to charge down the kick every time mm. so that he doesn't have to do a first or second hit up. Really? Yeah, you lot will keep, keep an eye on that. Interesting. Um, you know, if we look at the game as a whole, the Kiwis were missing a number of players at the end of last year and probably their most yep. disappointing end-of-year tour for two or three years, um, especially against Australia. They get oh, back. It was hopeless. They get back two of us a Sheik. They get back four and they get back Mannering. They get back Faray. They get back, I believe, one more key player up front. Uh, that would be Packer. Wow, he wasn't wow. really key, was he? Yeah. This is as back to me for two years ago, to 2015, when we just had a very, very, very strong side against them. This looks like it could be a very close game. Now, look, I'd still give it to the Kangaroos, but it would not surprise me. Given the Warriors combination, what's been happening in the last three weeks, the combinations that we have in the spine, that they are a potential of an upset. And I just say, I look at, we've got guys in form. And Tel Malolo and Tapao and Bromwich are informed players in the, um, in the pack. Mannering is a form player in the pack. Um, and yeah. it just feels like that if we can play the right style of game, which I'm highly doubtful that Kidwell can, um, can instruct, the right kind of yeah. game for me for the Kiwis to beat them is based around quick play the balls um, and beating them through the middle. Can we execute the game plan? Who knows? But we've got a very good chance. Are you there? Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm here. About the quick play the balls. I'll just say that we've got a very good chance of winning. No, I think you're right. But the only I, I'm picking Australia win 20 points to 12. Um, I think what the difference is, is just going to be, I think we've just got a couple of players that aren't quite up to it. I mean, they'll give their hardness up, but they're probably not quite test level. And Elijah Taylor and Kenneth Bromwich. Elijah Taylor won't be, be the inside. Difference. Taylor won't be inside. Okay, but Kenneth Bromwich will. He, one yeah, of those guys will be. 
Exactly. So I think I, I'm seeing a 20 to 12 win by Australia, mm. uh, but obviously there'll be some controversial calls that we'll be able to say, oh, if it, if it turned that way, we could have won it. But to me, that'll be okay. Uh, I don't like to say it, but that'll be okay. It'll get us on the right wavelength before the World Cup, you know, compared to last year's mm. end of result, you know. Yeah, fair. I think that's a fair prediction. Um, you know, 20 to 12. On the other hand... Um, and I think that was the score in the Canberra at, at the last test we played at Canberra. 2013, yeah, um, 12. Remember, for 60 minutes, we looked really good. Frank Pritchard dotted over. Yeah. It was actually a good one, and then they ended up rubbing away with it in the last 25 minutes. Um, yeah. Cam Smith, 50 games. You know, again, you've got to sit back and watch um, probably one of the greatest players that's, that's ever played the game, really. And just a polished, good bloke. You know, you can't... Playing against him is frustrating because he controls the referees, but, you know, he's their most important player. It's not Jonathan Thurston, it's Cameron Smith. Yeah, and he's, you know, it's, it, again, he's, we, we just uh, argued about the halves, but he's arguably going to be even harder to, to uh, replace, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he goes at the same time. I have a feeling that Cam Smith plays longer than Thurston and Cronk. So if Thurston and Cronk give it in next year, I think that Cam Smith gets 400, the first player to get 400 NRL games, and I think he'll get 70 test matches. And he backs up. Like, Cam Smith, oh. one thing that you need to, um, when you're assessing the greatness of a player, which isn't normally done, is his durability. Cam Smith doesn't miss games. He backs up after every single Origin game. He's never been rested for a club game. He is always the first person to put his hand up and play. He is arguably the greatest player in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I some Warriors that were, like, brilliant. One was half, and one of the Warriors that sort of took him out and put him on his back while he was doing the kick. Yet he was there to make the tackle on the the, the guy that was returning. I think it was Normala. Mm. I mean, that is brilliant. And just what he wants. It's just he wants to be there. Yeah, he's he's special, mate. He's very very special. Um, Mannering incidentally plays his forty first test, forty uh, second test. Um, and it started sort of. I, I think he's playing very very good lately. Um, you know, he's not in the class of Cameron Smith, but who is the Australian comp? of a Simon Mann. I'm going to throw a couple of guys at you. Luke Lewis, yep. Greg Bird, or uh, Matt Gillett? In terms of his quality, who do the Aussies rate Simon Mannering? Or do they just think he's a kind of a Michael Luck type tradesman? Or is he I, in I that think they think Ryan Hoffman. Ryan Hoffman in his prime. He, I think he's better than Ryan Hoffman. Yeah, he is. He doesn't drop the ball as much. Um, but I'd say, when you think about it, it's probably a Luke Lewis because mm. um, remember Mannering was a centre in his early days yeah he was yeah I, th- I think Luke Lewis for me um, I'm pretty comfortable with that and it just the, the hardest thing about watching someone like Mannering players is just wondering um, you know if he was in an Australian team or a Sydney team especially is, you know how how accurately would he be rated you know rather than our biased opinion um, but he's playing he's starting to play really really um, well Bluey McLennan loved putting him in the centres just to shore the centres up back in the day when we didn't have you know top class centres yeah look in terms of coaches and innovation I can't remember someone like Bluey McLennan who really just revolutionised a couple of positions and he would do things like he would put Nigel Wagner at standoff he would put Sione Famuina at halfback he would put Shantane Harpe at lock forward to completely change the style of play that we played. 
And that's what I'm looking for in rugby league. Like, you know, especially big games and state of origin. Like, I, I really wish New South Wales just said, well, fuck it. We're going to completely change the style of game. We're, n- we're not just going to go bash up the middle, five tackles set, you know, play an origin game. We're going to go out yeah. there and we're going to put James Roberts at, you know, lock forward. We're going to do something completely different. Um, you know, Rugby league for me is ready for something like that. It's ready for someone to shake it up and do something different because it's there's a sameness about league that it has been for a long, long time. What's that? Yeah, I mean, the short kickoff I think is a good example of the people of teams trying to try something different, you know, and stuff like the kicking to the corner and not trying to catch it but tapping it back. They're all mm. changes that have happened in the last few years. Mm. Um, to the rest of the international weekend. Samoa, England. Given that half of this team have had to travel across from the UK, they've had no preparation, Samoa have every single player playing in the NRL, most of them playing pretty decent rugby league. This is prime for an upset, isn't it? I mean, Samoa have to be, you know, pretty odds on to have a bloody win here, don't they? I would, when you put it that way, yes. I mean, they only just beat them... Two at years the start ago? of the 2014-2014 Four Nations, remember, mm. at Suncorp. And, yeah. I mean, Samoa nearly beat us uh, on the back of BJ Lai Lua, one of the best games I've ever seen him play. So, I think you're right. And do, do you have any odds? Do you have any idea what the TAB have, uh, are saying there? No, I don't, actually. I'm not getting any um, a live feed here from Sportsbet, but I can happily um, have a look at it while we chat. I'll, I'll um, look at it while we yeah. So, you know... If you go through, if you have. What are your thoughts on Chris Chris McQueen, though? Uh, I can't complain. You know, I've seen more tenuous um, selections in the New Zealand side than Chris McQueen. So, I mean, hey, I just need to say the the, the name Nathan Fiend. Yeah, yeah, agree. But, I mean, he, he, he turned it down. I think Wade Bennett can see a good player. Well, look, Chris McQueen's old man is English. I mean, that gives him the right, just like it gives the right to Anthony Milford to play for Samoa. To play, to you know, the, the, half of the Samoan team are second generation. But their half halves of, are going to be a problem. Well, half of the Samoan team were born in New Zealand. So does it really? Is it really change that? You know, Chris McQueen was born in Australia and his parents are from England. How is that different than Sam Cassiano? You know? No, no, okay. When you put it that way, I mean, he's a good comedy guy like Chris Huntington. Exactly. But you look at this. You look at this. Um, the Samoan team, right? Mataldia, Malmalo, Leilua. Lafai, Winterstein, Milford, Faimanu Brown, Cassiano, Kaiser Pritchard, Joe Junior Paulo, Matautia, Suaso Su, Josh Maguire, and on the bench you've got Asiata, wow. Almao, Ofoa, Matangi, and Ese Ese. That is a brilliant side. <laughs> they win, don't they? They win. You know, again, I'm giving you two punts today. They got a win. You've got the Panthers to make the eight, and you've got Samoa to beat England. Um, you know, that is that is sensational. Tonga Fiji. Tonga Fiji. Another amazing game, I reckon, that you'll see. The biggest surprise to me is, you know, Fiji is not a known league country until about, yeah. I would say, two or three years ago. Right 2008 now, World Cup when they made yeah, the semi. Exactly. And even then, you had the Sims brothers, Jared Hayne, and a couple of others. You know, you had a handful of tenuous players. Right yep. now, okay. you've got the, the NRL players that I can listen to the Fijian team. Wonga Blake, Kane Evans, Viliame Kakao, Apisai Corosal, Tane Milne, Marcelo Montoya, Kevin Nagama, 
Tyrone Phillips, Daniel Saifiti, Jacob Saifiti, Corbin Sims, Akria Luate, Eloni Vunakisi, and Sulasu Vunuvalu, arguably the best winger in the NRL right now. Half of three quarters of their team play in the NRL. It's incredible what Fiji what? have done in rugby league in the last five years. Well, just talking about what you said about changing the style of the game, why don't Fiji just try and play 13 wingers on the field? Because that's when I, when I was wondering, I was waiting for their team, I was going, how many wingers can you put in a, in a, in a 17-man squad? But there's actually not that many wingers there, is there? Well, there's one real name that's missing from the Bati, isn't it? And that's Semi-Ray Dry-Dry. The most disappointing thing is that yeah. he still wants to play for Australia, which is, which is very, very sad. Um, but, yeah, no, in terms of wingers, I've got Vunivalu, Uate, um, are the only real wingers, and Wonga Blake. But, you know, you can play one of those at fullback. Um, you go did through the Tongan... name? Yeah, he did. You go through the Tongan team. Good, like. This is incredibly strong as well. Will Hopoade, Daniel Tupo, Manu Vatuve, Brinko Lee, Moses Suli, Tui Moala Lolo here, Atahengano, Leilani Latu, Silila Havili, Adam Fanua Blake, Felici Kafusi, Tony Williams, Joe Offerhangawe, and then on the bench, Sioni Katoa, Patrick Kafusi, Lavina Pulu, Sia Sia Vave. Incredible talent across the islands now. You've got every player with NRL experience, really. You've got players that are starting. You know, how can. You know, th- these games are going to be the feature of the calendar in sort of five years' time, aren't they? Yeah, I, yeah, I love them. And I, I, what I like also about them is when you get Queensland Cup players mm. coming in and playing with the, um, the NRL standard guys, mm. and it's a great chance to see which guys could potentially step up uh, next season. So if you look at the PNG team, mm. basically I think 70% are PNG Hunters players mm. and we don't often get the chance to watch PNG Hunters play week in, week out. So it's a great opportunity to see those guys with a cup, a bit of class with the likes of Nene McDonald and the Griffins from the Bulldogs. See how they go. And, they, and, and, and what um, a non-leaguey mate of ours said to us last year while we were watching him, he goes, this rugby league's brilliant. Because all they're doing is playing rugby league. They're not playing for, like, points or getting penalties. They're just playing for the pride of their nation and, and putting a good show on. So they don't stay down or anything like that, you know? I think I remember that game well. It was Fiji versus New Guinea. And we had a mate of ours yeah. who was not a league man. And he looked at it and he said, that is, this game is amazing. And, you know, yeah. you're right. It's stripped back to its absolute bare essentials, the game. And it's just... It's do or die. It's for the country. It's pure sport. And, you know, I can't wait to watch those um, those teams go around. This is a great round of footy. Um, it's going to be incredible. And so if you're, if you're a rugby league purist out at Campbelltown, can you think of a better day, especially if it's a nice winter, summer, sunny winter's day? I mean, the only thing I can think of if I lived in Campbelltown is maybe if I wasn't watching that, I'd probably pull the curtains, turn the lights off, and maybe have a nice meth session. Um, for the afternoon, maybe watch some league on have TV. Have you ever been there? To Campbelltown? No. Yeah. No, I haven't. Because you probably have to drive off the highway, right? Uh, no, I don't really know. Probably do. Um, shows my back in the day, not too long ago, Campbelltown actually was considered country, and they played in the country rugby. Really? Yeah, quite. I'm sure um, Mickey Darling or one of your Sydney purist league mates would be able to verify that. Yeah. All right. Well. 
So what are you looking forward to most about this this round? You know, we've obviously, apart from what we chatted about the last sort of 40 minutes or so, what are you looking forward to most? Oh, to me, it's going to be the crowds, the colour, the culture. Um, the Fox Sports cameras this week are going to be catching so much sort of laconic, there's passion on people's faces, the, 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 um, the, the paint on the people's faces, the, the huckers or the war cries from each nation. It's it's going to be brilliant. It's just it's just so different than a day in day out NRL game. And I'm, I think the the typical Australian Bogan League fan even appreciates it. Oh, it's it's gone from strength to strength. And you know, sadly, many people will say that oh now the death of city country now. But th- you know, this has just made city country irrelevant. You know, games like Samoa Tonga or Fiji versus oh, Papua yeah. New Guinea. You know, city country. And I've heard a lot of journalists and people on shows and that say how sad it is. City country means nothing. I name one well, person. Who could tell the players you, don't count from there as much anymore. Well, name one person who could tell you who won the game last year. Now, this whole thing, there's a yeah. lot of other ways about how to grow country rugby league, but city country is a waste of time. No one gives a shit apart from a couple of ex players that used to play the game. And it's been around for 108 yeah. years, but sometimes traditions have got to die, and that game and has it, got it, to die. In the late 90s, early 2000s, it was cut anyway. So it, it, it lost um, its continuation through anyway. So it, it was cut for that reason. Exactly. Um, right, mate. Well, you know, we've, we've covered a shitload here. I think we've covered pretty much every topic that we wanted to, to hit. Um, we'll come back on Sunday. Um, we'll get back to... Well, what about Mundine's going to play league again? Well, that's, that's just Mundine, isn't it? You know, good on him. He said that if he gets his Will he feet, start from the bottom? <laughs> what? Um, what we pay for? Oh, no, like cutters, red, red, all blacks? I don't know. No, he, no, wants, no, he, said he, he, he said he wants to play for St. George. Oh, how old is he? Well, he's 41. He's 41. <laughs> well, to be honest, he'd be better than McCrone. Yep. I'd have Mundine over McCrone just for, just for flavour. But anyway, mate, um, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. Should I hope Monday gives it a go? That'll be good TV, um, mate. Massive weekend. Look forward to chatting legally oh, yeah. during the week. Um, and gotta love your league. Gotta love your league.